Pastor Xavier Reese and the power of the simple truth. We serve only the gospel here. We've seen its effectiveness. We trust nothing else but the gospel. Just that simple. The gospel goes forth, and if you're not right, God's going to nail you. Sometimes you think that your wife has come and talked to me. She hasn't. Some of you come in and you think that the person that invited you came and talked to me and say this because they're going to be here. No, I haven't. We teach the gospel. God takes care of it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's no doubt God's Word is powerful, but the true power behind His proclamation is His eternal love. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his look at the book of 1 Timothy, he brings us the answer of this provocative question, why teach only the gospel? During the Korean War of South Korea, a civilian was arrested by the communists and ordered shot. He came through, saw that the guy had this orphanage. He had a son there helping him. And rather than shooting him, brought out his 19-year-old son, and he had him shot right before him. As the fortunes of war changed, the young communist leader was captured by the United Nations forces and tried and condemned to death. But before the sentence could be carried out, this father came forth, and he pleaded on behalf of his son's killer. And he said this, He declared that he was young, and he really didn't know what he was doing. Give him to me, said the father, and I'll train him. The United Nations forces granted the request. The father took the murder of his son into his own home, cared for him, trained him, and the man went on to become a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, normal love can't do this. Your psychology can't do it. Your discipline can't do it. It's only God's love. What is the foundation of the love that you and I are manifesting? Is it based on faith or feeling? Faith pleases God. Feelings please me. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this you shall know that you are my disciples. You have loved one for another. John 13, 34, and 35. No other way. He didn't say, they're going to know you by how many scriptures you can quote. They're going to know you by what size of church you go to. No, by your love. Am I yielding to agape love or mere compatible fondness or sexual attraction? Both are legitimate, but the thing is they're so conditional, aren't they? I love you as long as I feel like I love you. And I love you as long as you're pleasing to my eye. Only agape love can do it. It never fails. If God's love doesn't have control in my heart, it might be because I'm refusing for Him entrance into my heart to purge me from certain things that I'm holding on to, whether it be sins, unforgiveness, whatever it may be. And so the relationship is not right with God and His love cannot work in me, so I've got to yield. And consequently, I may be holding things and I don't forgive others. And therefore, it's like a clogged drain. It backs up. Paul the Apostle told the Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 30 and 32, that we are to put off all these fleshly things and we are to forgive one another even as Christ has forgiven us in the same measure and proportion. That is heavy. 
You and I have to realize that you and I will never be sinned against as much as we have sinned against God. And how much did he forgive us? There we have our answer, people. You say, you're crazy. I can't do it. Right on. That's the whole thing. God is trying to show you and me, you and I can't do it. What's the other option? Let him do it. Through me. If my conscience is not at rest in agreement with what God has shared with me in the gospel and what I know to be true in my heart, then I'm not right with God. I'm not free. I'm not walking in truth. And Jesus says the truth shall set me free in John 8, 31 and 32. If the word of God is in my heart and I'm being a doer of it. And that's the freedom of life. The purpose of teaching the gospel was to manifest God's love in people's lives. That's the bottom line, people. Love is going to change. Yes, it's going to be through the word of God, but love is what's going to get the eye of people, and they're going to see what, what God is doing through you. Everything else is just words. Notice, secondly, the second purpose is to mark those who miss the goal of love. Verse 6, these are the pretentious teachers. He says, some had missed God's agape love by deviating from a pure heart. Because verse 6 is linked to verse 5. It's reflexive. These individuals are said to be said of strayed. The word strayed means to deviate from or to miss the mark. Strain. Three times it appears in the New Testament. Here, 1 Timothy 6.21, 2 Timothy 2.18. What do they turn to? Fables, endless genealogies. He opens up chapter 1, verse 4 with it. Later on, he mentions them in chapter 4, verse 3. 6.4. 6, 20, and 21. He closes the epistle with that by saying, verse 20 of the last chapter, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle of babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. I am always amazed how people twist the gospel, how people add to the gospel, how people try to integrate their beliefs in the gospel. When you get out of here, you might go have some lunch. When you give the waitress your order, she gives it to the cook. The cook rings the bell, she picks it up. Now, as she comes to put that plate before you, if she stopped halfway to your table and began to mess with the food, trust me, when she got to your table, you would ask her, what'd you do? <laughs> Why? She's not a cook. She's a waitress. You and I are waiters on table. That's the word for deacon. I'm not here to cook up stuff for you. I'm to get the food from the Bible. God's the cook. I'm the waiter boy. I'm not to mess with the word of God. I'm to dispense it as he prepared it. It does not need improvement. The love the false teachers were producing was... Love of intellect, self of human origin. Notice, secondly, that some had missed God's love by deviating from a good conscience also, because this, again, is looking back to it. They didn't live up to the truth they possessed for their lives. This is always a danger. Their conscience was either accusing or excusing themselves, as Romans 2, 14, and 15 says. And that's what the people do all the time, right? Well, you look at a little kid. You say, why, why did you push him? 
Well, well, he, he did this. Or, he said, no, I didn't. He pushed me. Now we get a little older. We don't change. God says to Adam, did you eat of the tree? He says, it's the woman, Lord. <laughs> Pointing fingers. By excusing, man justifies himself. By accusing, man passes the blame on someone else. By guilt and conviction, God accuses me. And I need to live up to that. Don't up to that. The ongoing presence of a bad and evil conscience, which is a witness to an impure heart, can only lead you one place. Are you ready for it? Toward shipwreck in the faith. Timothy 1.19, he gives two examples. He says, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may not learn to blaspheme. Pretty heavy, huh? Now, we all understand what happens when a ship wrecks, right? You're in the water. Now, you're hoping you get picked up, but you're not sure you're going to get picked up. More people have died at, at sea than rescued. Think about that. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse our man's conscience. Hebrews 9, 14, 10, 2, 10, 22, over and over and over again. Only the blood of Christ can cleanse my conscience to get right with God. I noticed thirdly that some had missed God's love by deviating from sincere faith. They decide to stop yielding to genuine biblical faith here, these false teachers, and actively trusted and depended on themselves. We have to depend upon God through his word, his Holy Spirit. That's why Paul concludes, present your body living sacrifice in Romans 12, 1 and 2. They consciously pursued the works of the flesh, which centered on self-love, at the expense of others. Always. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, it's an ugly list. We all lived under that before. The trinity of darkness, me, myself, and I. Their life was pretentious and hypocritical as 11 of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus warned about it in Matthew 16, 6 often, over and over again. Be careful. But notice, fourthly, some had missed God's love and had turned Here's this, idle talk. Now, this is an application to the false teachers. Their love for other, for other proposed truth deviated them. They loved their own truth. It deviated them from the truth. They got caught up with this idle stuff, all this stuff. The word turn aside means to twist or turn out of the way. The word is a medical term. Of a dislocated limb, it's used here in 1 Timothy 5.15 and 6.20. You know, when the car hit me, my right foot, it not only broke the, the tibia right above the ankle and it made a compound, but it took my foot and it dislocated completely and twisted it, okay? Now, the doctor was an Indian doctor, and he comes and he says, Mr. Reese, your foot is dislocated. I've got to put it back in. I go, okay, doc. I said, you're going to give me something? He goes, no, I have no time. And he grabs my ankle, and he grabs my calf, and he squeezes it and pulls it and begins to just move it to find the thing, and I scream like a hundred women. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't faint. Now, this is the idle talk. It's dislocated talk. It's not lined up. My foot was not lined up. My, the idle talk is not lined up with the truth of the gospel. It's out of joint. 
The word idle talk means empty, senseless words, void of the gospel. The apostle mentions some of them in verse 4, not giving heed to fables, endless genealogy, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Titus 1.10 uses it, 1.14. It's a danger in the church. It's a danger in the Christian's life. An article entitled, The Art of Being a Big Shot, was written by the very prominent Christian businessman named Howard Butt. Among many other insightful things he said were these words. Listen, it is my pride that makes me independent of God. It's appealing to me to feel that I am the master of my fate, that I run my own life, call my own shots, go it alone. But that feeling is my basic dishonesty. I cannot go it alone. I have to get help from other people. I cannot ultimately rely on myself. I am dependent on God for my next breath. If it is dishonest of me to pretend that I am anything but a man, small, weak, and limited. So living independent of God is self-delusion. It is not just a matter of pride being an unfortunate little trait and humility being an attractive little virtue. It's my inner psychological integrity that is at stake. When I am conceited, I am lying to myself about what I am. I am pretending to be God and not man. My pride is the idolatrous worship of myself, and that is the national religion of hell. Oh, so good. Beat me again. That's a great mirror. If a life of faith in God, His Word and Holy Spirit is the only thing that can prepare and purify man's heart to have a good conscience. Nothing short of that. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. You want to grow in faith, then you stay around the Word of God. You read it. You sit under it. Saturate yourself. A life of sincere faith is cultivated through the process of faith, followed by obedience, which will strengthen you and myself, not exercising our own will, but exercising our will with a free choice, adding to our faith virtue, faith, virtue, long-suffering, temperance, so on and so forth, self-control in 1 Peter 1, 5 through 11. Look at the list there. And if you don't have these things, you're deceiving yourself. You've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your old sins. And you've deviated. You, you, you've gone away. 1 Timothy 4, 1. The latter time, the Spirit says, some will depart from the faith. Giving heat to seducing spirits, doctrines of demons. That's why we don't allow a lot of teachings that are different here. We don't have 12-step programs, this and that and everything else. And then you come and you choose what you want. We serve only the gospel here. It's all we serve. We've seen its effectiveness. We trust nothing else but the gospel. It's just that simple. The gospel goes forth, and if you're not right, God's going to nail you. Sometimes you think that your wife has come and talked to me. She hasn't. Some of you come in and your visitors, you think that the person that invited you came and talked to me and say this because they're going to be here. No, I haven't. God takes care of it. The purpose of teaching the gospel was to mark those who missed the goal of love. I noticed third and last year, the purpose is to mention their intention and qualification. Verse 7, 
First, they intended to be law teachers, desiring to be teachers of the law. They were self-appointed men by their own will. They wanted to be doctors, rabbis. They weren't. They were desiring, meaning to will, to have in mind or intend, being resolved to determine. You know, sometimes we can get on a kick. I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm going to pro Because we like admiration. We like people say, man, you are the greatest. We love it. It is human will and self that is on the throne. Choosing and calling the shots for one's life, not God. Yet we've got a veneer. They were self-appointed doctors of the law. And the phrase teacher of the law means the interpreters of the law among the Jews. Those who went about the Christians as champions and interpreters of the Mosaic law. We love accolades, don't we? People go to Congress, oh, this is Reverend so-and-so, and he is an author, he is a pastor, evangelist, movie star, world traveler. <laughs> Pile it on. They should introduce every man that ever speaks this. Here comes a wretched bondservant of Christ, a waiter on tables. Get your utensils out and your napkin. We're going to eat. They failed to recognize the awesome responsibility of teachers receiving greater judgment from God. James 3.1 says, their goal was to be admired. Wrong motivation for ministry. Jesus said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And that doesn't mean they were on a horse. It means judgment. Woe. Matthew 23. Read it. Wrong motivation. Why am I doing what I'm doing? If it's not love for you, I'm dead before God's judgment. Notice, secondly, they do not possess the qualifications to be teachers of the law. Understanding either what they say. They did not know what they were teaching. The word understanding means to perceive with the mind, think, to ponder, and consider. This was their continual state. They didn't understand. That is scary. And so Paul asked Timothy later on to consider what he was writing to him using the same word that God would give him understanding in 2 Timothy 2, 7. You know, you can be flying a plane and you can think you understand your instruments and have a peaceful heart. But you don't understand them and you don't know you're going to crash. These people did not understand. They had no understanding. They did not know the intent of the law nor the nature of the law. The law was given to show man's guilt and his sinfulness and his need of God. The law was given that it might drive me to Christ, Galatians 3.24. They did not consider the consequence of what they taught by their words, leading people to trust the law for their right standing before God and leading people astray from Christ. You may think that you understand the gospel, and if what you're teaching is not gospel, God will hold you responsible for it because we're dealing with people's eternity. This is what was on the line. Nothing short of that. Notice thirdly, they did not know themselves the things they were teaching so confidently as truth, nor the things which they affirm. And the word affirm means to stand behind things and declare them to be so. In this case, the things of the law. You know, today we're the generation that we hear something and somebody says, oh yeah, I heard that. We don't even check things. We just take it. Next time you get into the internet, think about it. How do you know that's true? You don't. You take it? You better do your research. Where's the source? Is it credible? 
They confirmed it was true, but it wasn't. They did this constantly and strongly and confidently. Many teach error confidently. You study it in its context. You study it in its language, Greek or Hebrew, and you study it with a, with a backdrop of historical, cultural relativity, and then you're going to find out what it meant to them in that day. Then we can make application for our day, but first we might have to find out what did it mean to them, what was going on then. Then we make one interpretation, many applications. Many teach here because of the popular following. Many big churches are so because they don't teach truth. They've deviated. It can go both ways. You've got to check out the content. Many teach heresy having never been called by God. Ephesians 4.11, he gives pastor teachers, evangelists, prophets for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, that they not be tossed to and fro with every one of doctrine. Throughout the scriptures, he speaks, he's going to tell us later on, to study to show ourselves to prove, to stay in sound doctrine, teach these things over and over and over again. You know, a plumb line can only prove that a crooked wall is crooked. No matter how you use it, a plumb line cannot make a crooked wall straight. You can put that string and say, ah, oh, stupid string, it's not right. And you ignore it. Whatever you're going to do is going to be crooked. That line will not make your wall straight. It'll only show you that your wall is crooked. The law was God's plumb line designed to show all people that they were crooked, sinners, twisted. He never intended it to make us straight or righteous. Indeed, it never can. All I can do is say, X, you're in bad shape. You need the gospel. We must be like the Bereans who receive the word of God with all readiness of mind and examine, search the scriptures to find out those things were so in Acts 17, 11. When I teach, I hope you're listening with a good ear and you're writing notes and you're checking things out for yourself to make sure it's truth. We must be aware of the many times Jesus warned, as well as Paul and Peter, of deception. Well, who are the warnings to? To Christians. Why? Because Christians can be deceived. The world's already deceived. You need to evangelize a non-believer. You need to warn the believer. Jesus said in Matthew 24, first words out of his mouth. He says, let no man deceive you. Why do you say that? Because there's going to be a lot of people to deceive you. From what? From the gospel. The gospel. Later on, he's going to tell us in chapter 4, verse 1 on down, the latter times the Spirit says, many will fall away. Seducing spirits, doctrines of demons. Peter, chapter 2, warning. False prophets, false teachers. The purpose of teaching the gospel was to mention their intention and qualifications. Their intention was self-love. Their qualification, zippo. Paul gave to Timothy a threefold purpose for his charge. To not allow anybody to teach any other doctrine except the gospel. To manifest God's love in people's lives. To mark those who miss the goal of love. And to mention their intention and qualification. Why did he do this? Because Paul loved God, the gospel, Timothy, and the church at Ephesus. Love was his very motive. Nothing short of that, man. May God give us the courage to stand in a pure gospel 
that it may do the work in my heart, in your heart. And everybody around me say, man, what the heck has happened to you? This is what he wants to do in your life. Change you for the good. Pastor Xavier Reese and the Power of Salvation. Now, a copy of today's study is available on CD for just $4, and the title to ask for is, Why Teach Only the Gospel? This will also include not only what we studied the last time we were together, but all the material our limited broadcast time doesn't allow us to share. So request the title, Why Teach Only the Gospel? Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Join us next time as we learn that the gospel is an all-or-nothing proposition on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Tell a friend. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 